0: Yes, it was the emergent nature of helping people in a time that is not anything anybody wished for. That just spoke to me.
1: Hello and welcome to the Where's On Way Show. I am your host, Brent Clark, CEO of Leadershipity, e, CEO of AIM, Athletic Influencer Marketing and the NIL Academy, and thrilled to be here today. Most people know me as a time coach in professional baseball, coaching in three World Series. But I get out and I get to speak to great people all over the world, to audiences. And man, today special guest, my good buddy Chris Jaffer Turner. Christopher, how you doing, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, believe it. CEO of Emergicon. Tell them real quick what Emergicon does.
0: We support fire and EMS who transport patients by ambulance to understand their eligibility for reimbursement, help them get those claims processed and get them reimbursed.
1: That's awesome. Now, is that just domestically? Because I hear horror stories about people having to be transported when they're off in Mexico and fall. And does that have to happen?
0: It is just domestically, but as you can imagine, because we border other countries, you do have people from other countries in the states who need to be transported by ambulance. So that's a complicating factor. But of course, we're focused in the United States.
1: For sure. So before we get going, Christopher, tell people where they can find you as they listen to you. Want to reach out, learn more from you. Tell a little bit where they can get you.
0: Of course, I'm on LinkedIn, Christopher Turner, CEO at Emergicon. Uh, email Turner at emergicon.com. Those are probably the best two ways to get to me.
1: Big TikTok account?
0: No TikTok.
1: No, <laughs> no, no TikTok. All right. That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, you continue to grow at Emergicon and man, really creating this unique brand. We talk about niches in business, man, and you are serving this well needed niche in the market and man you've drilled down on this thing to really create a ton of value for first responders and all things that go into running a first responder business which as we uh, probably most people don't know that is a super challenging environment to run a business operation
0: it is To give you a little bit of background, you know, healthcare is made up of of essentially providers seeing patients in in all forms, pre-scheduled, not pre-scheduled, all those things. And then there's the whole business of trying to get paid. And that's where things get clunky. And as you can imagine, anybody who's had, you know, anything, surgery, baby, you know, this confusing bills in network, out of network, et cetera, it gets infinitely more complicated when you're talking about first response, Accidents outside the hospital. So, what first responders do is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, some of the things that they deal with. I mean, probably, you know, a big example is 911 firefighters running in the building, but there's everyday examples, car wrecks and accidents and all these things. It's difficult for them to even deal with the world of getting reimbursed because that's just not their focus. They are one ear listening for tones that they have to respond and then taking care of people and, and all these terrible situations and, and many, many times with tremendous outcomes and life saving. But the difficult part is they are in and outside of the whole reimbursement process that we call health care. So you can imagine it's a workplace accident. Was it a workers comp claim? Is it a commercial insurance claim? You know, is this a a veteran of the armed service? Was it connected to duty? All these things that get complicated. And we really specialize in helping to kind of unfurl that to help them understand where they can get reimbursed and really try to just tighten that down and take that burden away from them because there's just no way that they can get into that and also focus where they need to focus.
1: Yeah, it's such a good example of, of a childbirth, right? Which is a huge right. event for a family, but we have nine months to prepare. <laughs> it's like, yeah, hey, man, we're going to do these meetings and we're going to do our appointments as we go and get ready. And, you know, there are, and I don't want to say there's not emergencies in childbirth. There are, but yeah. we do typically have at least some very high monitoring of what's going on. We know there's that risk. And so you're somewhat prepared even for emergency. So- right. You know the situation where you know someone falls out a tree. No one's planning that this afternoon. I'm always staggered by the statistic of like 80 percent of the death rate of of a ladder over five feet or something. It's it's amazing, right? right? And you know how silly guys are as we are. Like, hey, let's get on the roof, Christopher, and fix this. <laughs> you like, should we be climbing a 17 yes. foot roof? You know, like ladder. Yeah. So I had one of those scary experiences this summer, and it's an interesting deal now. Let's talk a little bit about your Texas kid, born in Munich, you know, service guy, you know, your parents' service. And so you're through the Episcopalian high school. What's an Episcopalian high school like?
0: You know, it's you've got chapel every day, it's a private school. So they've got greater flexibility over the curriculum, wear a uniform, which I had moved from public school to that. I think there's a lot of benefit to that. And I know a lot of more schools have gone to that, but, you know, Christian based, it gives you a, a pretty even dose of education and then, you know, and chapel. And sometime, so as a kid, you're kind of like, ah, I got to go to chapel and what a pain. And I'm not going to sing any of the hymns, get a little older. And you can look back and say, eh, probably learned some things and probably got some benefits there that maybe you leaned into a little bit more later in life as I've done.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny, it's foundation, right? Like we build foundation, even when we don't know we're building foundation, right? right. It That's doesn't feel like, ah, this doesn't matter to me. This isn't that important. And it certainly doesn't feel important to a 10, 12, 17 year old kid, right? But we're realizing like, man, I'm gonna have to raise 10, 12 and 17 year old kids at some time. And what am I gonna give them, right? And so looking back, I think thankful for that foundation now. But Austin, Dallas area now, but Austin College went to, when did you grad outside of Austin there at Texas State? Finished up, you know, UT Dallas for your undergrad. Let's talk a little bit about, man, you know, this young guy, you're thinking medical school based on the college of, you know, Austin College of Medicine, right? And at some point, I mean, as a kid, do you even know this exists? Like, hey, I could run this company, this organization to help in medical billing and the procedures and process of first responders. I mean, this is not something any 15-year-old kid even knows about.
0: No, you're right. And, And I really didn't connect the business side of healthcare until I was probably in the first couple of years of college. And I was familiar through my mom with the CEO, actually physician CEO who ran Parkland hospital, a big County hospital here in Dallas. So I had some familiarity that there's a business side of it, but I didn't really know what that meant. So I started doing some research, dug in a little bit and, and saw that I could stay connected to patients through that. So not as a caregiver, which in, again, in retrospect, you talked about foundation. So thankful I'm not a physician for a lot of reasons, nothing against yeah. them, against me yeah. really, I don't think I'd be good at it, but i wanted to have that connection i didn't have any interest in working in some place that created laptops or something that just didn't do anything for me and as i got deeper into it and i saw the hospital side and the emergency medicine side even saw the insurance side and i guess it was the emergent nature of helping people in a time that is not anything anybody wished for that just spoke to me so then you know, kind of the typical, you know, stay in a hospital or things like that. Not anything wrong with any of those, but just for me personally, the emergency side of it and the pre-hospital and actually in the ER side, I had some experience there. That just spoke to me for whatever reason, humanity, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I I love that. I mean, you've had some unique experiences talking about You know, being near that ICU and brain surgeries, right? And supporting and watching people that are sleeping like bears on hospital, you know, code couches and chairs, right? Floors wherever they can, because this is an event that's just changed life and everything stops for a moment. And you know, now now you've had this education, you've had you know this glimpse into this world, and you're gonna adapt to this world. But before we get into that you coming up on 25 years of marriage. Congratulations, brother. That's awesome. Thanks. And then two sons, 20 and 19 years old. These are these young men that you were there, you know, going through UT, Dallas, figuring it out, Texas state, starting to see some, holy crap. Like when these things go down, it's, it's tough, man. I mean, these families are hurting and it's challenging yeah. and you're directing that you want to be a part of this. And, So when we talk about your high school experiences, college experiences, what are you hoping for your boys now that they get out of this and glean from both your experience and from your education, what you're hoping for for them? You know, my wife,
0: who has been a tremendous support and is a far smarter and better person, I think that I am, always said from when our boys were little, she wanted them to be good people. So she always rejected the idea. I want my kids to be happy. You do. But her MO was always, I want them to be good people. And that is not, I don't think naturally I would have said that. And what we've got now are 22, 19 year olds who are both, you know, moral, upstanding, I think, say it's straight. I mean, they are they're not kids that have ever snuck or lied or things like that. That, to me, has been really amazing, and they've taken two very different paths. My older son is pursuing classics, and he'd like to teach, maybe at high school, maybe at college level, and our younger son didn't see any interest in going on after high school, and he's gone to trade school because he really, really wants to work in a very functional way with his hands. And I, that, to me, has been rewarding, and where I've tried to support them is not so much in the you know, schedules and classes and all all that. It's more about my learning as an entrepreneur and learning to, you know, you don't, I'm a member of Strategic Coach in their coaching program. And, you, you know, you look at your progress backwards. You don't look at the mountain that you're still climbing. You look backwards and you say, this is how far I've come. And you don't look at things as, you know, everything's terrible. They're not. One of my connections that I've shared with them working with first responders is whatever our bad day is, it doesn't even touch the bad day of people that they have to see and, and some of the things that are going on there, not even close. That, to me, is something that I think is important for everybody to learn, and that's something i shared with them. So my older son always says, you always try to fix everything. I said, no, I don't try to fix things. I just try to give you a little wisdom and feedback. You know, not to not to deny what you're feeling or anything like that, but perspective is really important, and it's it's really important for us to not always assume negative, not always kind of oh this is awful, it's raining out, it's hard to get to school, whatever. You know, it's perspective about how you want to respond to what's going on, in, in your gauge of how maybe even how reasonable you are. So. I think that's what I've passed on. That's what I've really tried to pass on. And, and I've had some opportunities, through, particularly to my younger son and a couple of his friends who, who didn't have dads around to kind of help them, I think, in that way. And just kind of open up, you know, do you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to kind of make your own path? There's pluses and minuses. You know we have this unique ability in the united states to do that more so than other countries i think i mean you can found a company for you know a couple hundred bucks and off to the races now it may not be
1: successful but you can yeah i think that's so great i think one of the things i love about you christopher as i hear you talk about you're very intentional about where you're going observant is probably you know a, a superpower of yours you know talking about that perspective but You know, having a postgraduate, you know, Ivy leaguer and another kid who's like, hey, I am in the trades and I'm focused on creating value. And and the boys are equally having impact, you know, like it's just wherever they land. I think this is what, you know, maybe one of your superpowers is, is you're meeting people right where they're at, right? Like, this is the scenario. And I'd really get the fact that this is a tragic event that just happened. And, you know, we're going to meet you right where you're at and help you move through it into the most efficient way we can and it's challenging in this. And so, no, I think, I think we're losing that. I think that's some of that perspective that we are losing. There was a time where we were kind of moving in the direction to get better at that. And hopefully we are being, you know, having a little bit more grace for others because I feel like, There's always been this, you know, people should be like me, you know, and drive, drive, drive. Like, I don't know if that's good. (laughs) Like, I know how I am. And my, my superpower is also a major weakness, just ask my wife, right? And so it's a pretty dynamic look that you've brought to. And where do you think you developed that perspective? Unlock the full potential with your business with Leadershipity, our proven strategies have fueled growth for countless organizations. Ready to elevate your leadership and scale your success? Book your free 15-minute consultation now. Click the link in the show notes below and let's make your business soar.
0: You know, as you get older, you're a little wiser, you became a little less selfish. And I think it's particularly been, I think it's been there, but it's been coming out more the last several years, certainly. So a couple of examples. I read or heard recently somewhere, you know, we judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intent. So perfect example is driving. Somebody cuts you off and you you yell, whatever. You might cut somebody else off. and generally, you think, I didn't mean to do that. So sorry, whatever, maybe put the hand up. But we judge the other person as if they intentionally did it. That's an interesting way to look at things and, and, and helpful. I think it's been something that's helped me evolve over time, probably through a few courses, but but specific to what we do. One of the things that I found, you mentioned in healthcare and family in the ICU, when I started on the uh, first response EMS side, I was the CFO for a big not-for-profit that did air and ground ambulance. And I did ride outs with them early on, just as a third rider to kind of see what they dealt with. That to me is is probably one of the single most eye-opening experiences in my life. So one of the ones that sticks out of my mind I was on a ground ambulance, staffed by two paramedics, I think, maybe it was a paramedic and EMT, but you know, guys, they're kind of cutting up and doing whatever, and then they get a response and we go and they respond to kind of a little old style farmhouse, slightly rural community, older couple, maybe eighties or so, and the father had cut himself in his greenhouse. Superficial, but bleeding kind of like stuck pig. And even I could tell not by threatening, just scary looking, but his older adult kids have kind of rushed it there and you know, everybody's there's concerned, whatever. And the two guys on the truck, as soon as we get there, it's all business. It's caring and business, tending to him, tending the family, calming them down, reassuring them taking him to the hospital for stitches. And that to me was amazing, amazing because they respond to things that are, you know, active heart attacks, gunshot wounds, stuff that really, really is life threatening. This was life threatening. It was just scary for the family and they didn't do the He's fine. Why'd you even call us? You know, whatever. This is ridiculous. Take him to the hospital, give him stitches. You don't need an ambulance. Didn't do any of that. Not even close. They treated it as if it was the most severe thing, but it was totally managed by them and he was going to be okay. And you could see the family's relief with that. That to me has been one of many stories that stuck out. And it's helpful because as we train people who come on in our company or anything like that, you can relay some of those stories so anytime you kind of want to get a little bit either A, big headed or be kind of like, you know, my coffee's cold and this is the worst day I've ever had, kind of, kind of maybe bring that back into perspective yeah. of what really could
1: be going on that you would really not like to have going on. That's so valuable. As I look at that, and I equate that to sports, right? I, I equate yeah. that to sports of the chokesters in the locker room. But man, it's seven o'clock when it's game time, there's a whole other level of focus. And all of a sudden it becomes that. And it's it's one of the things I've seen with kids that, you know, the class clown. And I'm like, you know, I get it. We need to really understand that the class clown may be taking away from other people's learning and things like that. This may be a, a way to kind of deal with this role. Like I've got a hard thing at home. And I I just need a little comic relief in my life. I I need a little, you know, decompression. And I do that with my friends and it's not intentional to ruin your class. It's not. And I think what you're saying, which I really hope that you heard that here because I say it a lot, right? Like, you know, hey, is that their intent to ruin your class? like the actions may be showing up that, but you know, if you'll dig a little deeper, you're like, man, you know, I've got an alcoholic father. I, I, I come to school. It's the best place I can be for eight hours of my day. Cause the other six I'm awake are really tough for me, man. And now 14, you know, like, and there's just things going on that people just like, wait, what? Like if you walk a mile in those shoes, right. It, it's so different and it's hard, man. And, I want to talk quickly about those folks up front because it's a big deal. But but I do also want to mention before we jump into that as a 52, almost 52 year old guy. Now, Christopher, you know, what most people don't know about you is you're still gaming. You're a gamer, man. Like, and I, and it was funny. I just had this conversation with somebody as, you know, as an entrepreneur, man, I mean, you know, it's just hours, hours, hours. And we all choose things to, to how we, you know, recreate, whatever that's going to be, whether it's, you know, we go boating or we got cars or we got, you know, like golf. I mean, a thousand yeah. things, right? But, you know, I could tell you, like, from the perspective of gaming, right, that's a kid's thing. You know, we're, we're, we're men now, Christopher. We've grown up. I mean, I got to think there's some people judging you on that. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, probably so. Probably so. That's okay. I can handle it.
1: Why do you stay in it? Is it your solace? Is it your chance to decompress? Why
0: It's my chance to kind of decompress. It's my chance. And and it's funny, uh, my wife is not a gamer, but if, you know, if we, over the years, almost 25 years, of course, as I see her play something, even as a mobile game versus what I do, she is totally different. I play to win. I play to win. If I can't win, you know, I don't play. So that to me is funny. And and I realized that that's probably a part of that. It kind of, you know, there's no real stakes. You're just kind of pulling off and kind of letting off some steam. Um, and that's my thing. I don't, you know, I, that's it. I, I, I don't go to the golf course and just, you know, whack away and all that. And I did this the other day, kind of a long day, lots of conversations, all good stuff. But I was like, now I just need kind of the the mindless, just kind of nothing activity, no meaning to it whatsoever, just a little bit of fun.
1: I think though I will say one thing about it that I think all of us have a competitive gene. You know, we, yeah. we, everyone desires to be good at something and you know what God gives us talents, man. I mean, like everyone really is really gifted at something. I, I have found that in every person I've ever met and you know, there's that edge and, and I don't care if it's whether you're going for first chair on the violin You know, to have the high score on Galago, which is every place I ever walk into that has that thing, (laughs) you know, like, and then, like, I am competitive about things in my life. Now, as a jock, you can imagine I'm I'm pretty competitive about a lot of things. Probably, again, you know, strength and weakness, right, Christopher? Probably. But but my assumption is, is, and this serves you also in your business, that I do like to be successful when I'm gaming. I, I come to win, and my assumption is You come to win at work because if you don't win, there's a lot of people who lose if you don't take that approach because people don't get paid, businesses drop, You know, people can lose their homes. I mean, there's a lot of factors in this because it's a very significant expense all of a sudden that, of course, is never planned for. So all of a sudden, all these things are going on. So my assumption is your ability to win becomes absolutely crucial in the success of many lives, not just you and your employees, but those... Those who have tentacles of massive impact. Is that fair?
0: That's interesting. I'd never thought about it that way, but I think that's a hundred percent fair. And, and what I mean by that is one of the things when I get my surge of energy and what strategic coach calls unique ability, it's in a few focused areas, one's competitive, but The specifics of that as it comes to our day-to-day and our teams and what we do is we don't want to be abusive to patients, patients that have received some kind of emergency care, and being abusive to them in our world means you haven't done what you can do to try to unpeel the onion of this very complicated process, take as much burden off of them, and make whatever Financial piece, they may or may be obligated to, you know, as easy as it can be. It, it's funny we we trademarked that the text and touch, but it's just you know kind of laid back and understanding and making sure that we're not you know the worst part of their day, considering they've experienced something maybe been traumatic. But it's also in terms of who we serve, in terms of first responders, that we really want to make sure that we are taking away things that would be considered lies to them based on our own, you know, poor process or ignorance Mm -hmm. or things like that. And I get kind of worked up when we talk about people that we compete with. We all have competitors, we have competitors as well. And, And we know that they don't focus on the meaningful parts of what we do. They're focused on things that aren't all that relevant. And are what I consider to be abusive to first response and the people they serve. And, and that's what I always call it because they have a poor process that, that relies on a lot of, of poor actions with poor results. And then they kind of throw their hands up and say, we did the best we can do. And that just irritates me. And it irritates me when we make mistakes. You know, it's not the highest stakes game. But it's pretty high in terms of people who have to dial 911 and what they have to go through. So it's really important that you focus on those things. And it is, it's funny. That's kind of what gets my energy up when it comes to that competition side of, you know, that's ridiculous. Somebody's having to deal with it. That's ridiculous. You know, let us help you come over here and let us help and take some of that away from you as much as we can.
1: Well, I think it's really, first of all, powerful, Christopher, what you're doing. And I mean, I love the impact you guys are having. And Texas is a partner in this as a state, which I really love that coming alongside you, you're coming alongside them. You know, there are certain states that do not have this quality of care because of this laissez-faire attitude or they they create like hurdles in the way of getting things Done efficiently, and and we've heard it. You know, we've heard it where, hey man, I'm I'm in this state and I call for a 911 call. It takes 22 minutes. Like, I, like how are, how are we gonna really function in a good environment? And I think what people have really become aware of, Christopher, is this this gap between the high quality healthcare billing system and is it really about the care, or is it about the money? And man, we start learning about this. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, we care, we care, we care, pay us. <laughs> and and it really feels, it, it really feels dark. It doesn't feel like it felt fifteen years, twenty years ago. And and I don't know that it wasn't that way. I mean, I'm sure things have changed. 11. You know the the crisis of the shooting in Vegas. You know at the concert. You know there's these epic events that are going on that might change things, and I'm sure factors that play in the game. Clearly, political factors. But uh, you know, I, I do. You, do you think it's always been about the money, or do you think we were better intended prior?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, our healthcare system is is largely capitalist system, I would say. And so there's always some profit motive, even though we have, you know, Medicare is generally about you know, 50% of the payments and, and then Medicaid for, for those uh, people on the lower end of the spectrum. But there's there's a profit motive, which there's a good thing, the profit motive, I think that we get to technologies and advancements faster in the United States, the profit motive. But then there's the bad side and, and the bad side tends to be on the access mm-hmm. to health care. End of things, which usually doesn't get addressed through legislation. It usually doesn't get addressed through reimbursement. It really leaves people out. So people who just get left out of that, that hasn't gotten better. It hadn't, I don't know that it's gotten worse. There's probably some pros and cons, but it definitely has not gotten better. All the Mm. legislation. gone through it has not gotten better so that's an interesting thought and you know healthcare in general and i heard Mm -hmm. this a while back and i think it's still true is the second largest employer in the united states i believe after federal government in total i may be wrong that could be incorrect but it's a massive massive number yeah a lot a lot of dollars in it. a lot of private equity a lot of roll-ups and things trying to improve efficiencies was a great deal But you have the whole side of, again, the access to care, no avenue for reimbursement. They fall outside of of the arena. And then you're stressed with almost every industry, as far as I know, the number of providers needed to serve this population. So in fire and EMS particularly, they suffer due to the traumatic events they see. There's a high suicide rate. There's all these things and they're stretched super, super thin. And then if you want to, my understanding, you want to go to paramedic school or something like that, it's on your own dime. And lots of things are on our own dime. College generally is on our own dime, all those things. But we're, we have for a long time leaned on kids coming out of high school, college, 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 college. So for our younger son, we had our conversations with his counselor leaving. She said college. And I said, you know, he's not really interested in college. He's looking at trade school. And she said college. And I'm I'm like, wait, let's, let's talk about the other options. They had no other options. There was no discussion of other options and we're missing the boat on some of that, you know, going to college medical school and all that, that's a long, long process, very expensive, but there's this whole other world of providers that need to be there and it gets It gets hairy when it gets down to fire and EMS, because when they're understaffed, you talk about the 22-minute response times. That's literal. I mean, they get down to level zero is what it's called, where there are no available ambulances to respond or fire or anything like that. Maybe a a paramedic staff fire truck. So level zero means if you're dialed 911, maybe it's somebody from a surrounding community coming in. I mean, those things get pretty scary. Alarming. Alarming. And and that's that's how some people get access to healthcare, which is through that process, because they know they can, you know, they can get a response because they need something.
1: Well, two things kind of come to my mind on this, which is one, you know, I think the capitalistic drive and part of that winning and competitiveness does keep moving things along. The entrepreneur continues to find a way to win and they drive success, which does serve us in a lot of ways. I'm massively concerned on the system being broke. And as I look at like another environment of a a socialist medicine in Canada, where now the response or even service has gone from nine months to 13 to 14 months, is what I've read, and I don't know if that's true or not, so don't quote me on that but a significant lower response because people in healthcare are leaving and and they're having a labor challenge and we're talking about things that are significant to quality of life and you're 14-15 months out Like the access of care is becoming a global initiative that's getting worse i think and so that's an alarming issue and then you're going to talk about this um challenge of this frontline worker. These are not highly paid people yet. Their response and decisions are life changing. I mean this is this is often between life and death. And like you said, going into game mode that they are on and on task right there when it comes, there's no messing around. This is this is a life or death scenario. In case they're ready for that and prepared for that. And yep. it, it's hard for me to, to gather in my mind like someone who makes, you know, $16 million for hitting a baseball 450 feet. And the guy who just came to, to save my mother makes, you know, $12.50 an hour. And I'm like thinking, yep. yeah, I can tell you who's more important to me right now. you <laughs> so, know. And it's the shift in my brain that's challenging. Where's your position on that?
0: I appreciate you bringing some of these things out because there, there's some, it's some of the hidden subtext that I don't think, people generally get. So I appreciate you highlighting them. Healthcare is woefully underfunded. First responders, EMS, even more so. I mean, the amount of cost to keep an ambulance on the street doesn't come close to what they can get reimbursed for that. So I remember I went to a very small city council meeting in deep west Texas a few years ago. And it's not something I do as much anymore, but I think they'd requested me to come. I went out there and always kind of reconnects me to who we serve. So it's not a bad thing. But so small city council, there's, they provide fire and EMS response in their local community. And one of the council members asked me is as we're kind of explaining this is the reimbursement picture you've got. This is what you're eligible to bring in, you know, kind of everything goes right. This is everything we can tap into, et cetera. And the council member asked me, and he looks at me and he says, how do other communities do this? You know, it cost us, I can't remember $3 million a year to keep a couple of active units on the street, just respond. And I said, they have to rely on taxpayers. They've got to dig into other areas. That's hard. This is a small community, not a massive tax base, but they have this obligation, not only to try to provide these services, but also to try to fund them as well. So, Sometimes they look for an alternate, you know, maybe a private for-profit company to come and run their area. That's always a trade-off. There's pluses and minuses there. But the point is, is what they could get reimbursed in terms of provision of care here isn't great. And in Texas, in my experience, is one of the better states and for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of coordination of that type of service and trauma response. And now all across the entire state, there's lots of discussion coordination about reimbursement and continuing to improve that on a state level. And Texas does pretty well with that, but it still doesn't get close. And you talked about the staffing aspect and you're 100% right. Paramedic, EMT, uh, nurses on helicopters, they do things in the field that are only done also in the emergency room, usually by a physician. So you can imagine, uh, you know, a chest tube or you know, active CPR, things like that. But they are not reimbursed, not at the level of physician. But they're not really reimbursed even in, in terms of what they have to do out there in the field. And it's just one of those things that lags behind. And at some point we probably need to address it and fix it. You know, we talk about teachers a lot in this country. Don't disagree with that at all. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes think about, you know, what a firefighter might get paid in, in the shift work they do versus maybe what a teacher gets paid. There's a lot of differences there and in fire and EMS, it is not, not dissimilar. So yeah, I think you have a lot of insight in your comments.
1: Christopher, tell me a little bit for folks out there. You know, you deal with a a gap in your business daily. You see it every day. You have a perspective that's unique that most of us don't get to see. Tell me a little bit about how anything that grounds you in your daily perspective that you can can kind of write your ship. You have something you go back to stay focused. You know, you're, you're a husband, you're a dad, you're a business owner, and you're moving at the speed of light and, and creating a bunch of impact and environment for folks. And you just need to get off kilter. easy you need to lose a You need to take a wrong turn, right? So is there something that kind of gets you back to your leveling up and, and being where you want to be? In short,
0: I think it's gratitude. It's the exercise of going through you know, gratitude and writing or whatever. So for four or five years now, I kept a journal and you know, I spent a whole time writing and thinking. And if you go through the exercise of gratitude, that can adjust your mindset really quickly. So in our office, our physical office, we have a gratitude wall, which is a wall we can write on with marker pens in the break room. And we use it sometimes for other things, but it's intended for a gratitude wall. We give off the day after Thanksgiving and have since inception to all our employees to spend a little extra time with their family. And every year I send out a little message about, you know, take that extra day, you know, hug those close to you and all that. For me, in short, there's probably other things as well. But if you build in the process of recognizing what you're grateful for on a fairly consistent basis, whether that's in writing or in prayer or whatever that is, that helps clarify a lot of things because you can pretty quickly pair against what you recently considered to be kind of a negative thing versus, "Mm -hmm." hold on here a second. There's not only in my world, but across the world, a whole lot of stuff that's working what I'm dealing with. And I think that just shifts your brain a little bit. I probably have a few other things that I do as well, but I'd I'd focus, I think, if I were to give advice, that's where I'd start with anybody. That's great. All
1: right. Thank you, Christopher Turner, so much for joining us today. Just loved having you on the show. For everybody out there, see Turner sure. at EmergentCon dot com. Uh, you can find Christopher Turner, CEO of Emergicon, on LinkedIn. Check him out there. And for everybody else, thank you for joining us on the Warriors Find Way Show every Friday twelve thirty PM Eastern, nine thirty AM Pacific. Christopher, Christopher, wishing you all the best in the be- weekend and happy twenty fifth, my man.
0: Thank you too, buddy. Appreciate it.
1: Organizations come to me all the time with challenges of execution and communication with their teams. We help build a system through Bloom Growth and software that gives them simplification and prioritization. I teach, facilitate, and coach these organizations to literally double their value. If you're interested in graining your individual and organizational growth, please email me at trent@leadershipity.com or click the link below and book a 15-minute call on my Calendly.